Welcome to another edition of the Always Be Testing Podcast with your host, Ty DeGrange. Get a guided tour of the world of growth, performance marketing, customer acquisition, paid media, and affiliate marketing. We talk with industry experts and discuss experiments and their learnings in growth, marketing, and life. Time to nerd out, check your biases at the door, and have some fun talking about data-driven growth and lessons learned. What is up? How is it going? Welcome to another episode of the Always Be Testing podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Grange, and super excited for Raba today. What's up, man? We did it. See we finally did it. You were uh, incredibly gracious in your schedule flexibility, and then uh, we're at beautiful office here downtown. There's a vibe going on. You're a big yeah. party downstairs, startup yeah. week. Uh, yeah. Vibes are high. Weather's perfect. Heading to LA tomorrow. I mean, doing it baby hell yeah welcome got the power stash on i I wasn't ready you got you got to like prep me for that thing but next time yeah next time next time i'll give you i'll give you a little more nsf dub tag or something it's dangerous (laughs) i love it uh yeah like rava said we're live at the capital factory we've got a great crew here and uh ready to dive into it i think this might be you might be talking to the pied piper of d2c ecom I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> it landed. It landed. It landed. Well, soft landed. It landed. But it didn't stick it, but it landed. It's good. It's good. It's okay. Tell us how you got into this weird, wild world of D2C Ecom. Yeah, man. I've been I've been in the marketing game for a minute. So I'm, I'm old. I'm 38. And I graduated. I actually wanted to be an investment banker at one point in time in my life. I was really into finance. Shout out some investment bankers. It was like, that's definitely not it. So I ended up going to school for economics and then I got really nerdy. So I got into photography. I got into um, website building. So I was really deep in like AWS, WordPress. And then I want to start actually making money. And so I realized that creating a cash register was actually a worse idea than making other people money. When you could make other people money, you could ask for more money. So, cause I was making websites that were beautiful and functional and incredible. And people were like, Hey, why isn't this thing working? And you're like, well, it is working. You just, your business sucks. And so <laughs> I took that photography and then one of my really good friends at the time, his wife was a, a pretty big yogi on Instagram. So mm-hmm. like half a million followers kind of thing, not like massive, but pretty That's big for at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's meaningful. Yeah. And she, the, the followers were really engaged. Anyways, we decided to do an ebook together. Yeah. She was, her shtick at the time was like, uh, she was a handstand queen, incredible at handstands. She had just moved nice. to Costa Rica. So I went out there, shot all the photos for the book. She wrote all the, all the copy and things like that. And then I designed the book and it was actually really interesting life lesson for me because I can get lost sometimes in kind of where we're talking about form over function where, oh, I need this tool or I need that thing or And I did the whole thing. It was like a 120 page book. I did the whole thing in Canva and it was pushing Canva to the limits. Like it was breaking all time, all this stuff. And uh, we ended up doing four more books, I think together. Yeah. I think we did five in total. And I taught my, after that, I taught myself uh, InDesign, which is uh, Adobe's actual like proper print product where you're kind of, it's what professionals use kind of thing. Yeah. The first, even though I did this, all the other ones, more professional, et cetera, et cetera, the first one did by far the most money. And so it's just such an interesting juxtaposition of action breeds information and just do it. Like, yeah, a lot of times those last percentage points of getting something from 85% to 90% or 92% to 95% perfection might not be worth the squeeze. Like, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was... 
There is definitely yeah. a good enough, and there's definitely a, and I'm not against using great tools. I just think that, or at least from my experience, I use it to obfuscate my ability to tr- create. I'm like, oh, I need to find the right tool before I actually do the thing. Where it's just like, no, do, do the thing and keep doing the thing. And then like, yes. okay, if there's a point that you start to degrade, then yep. because of a structural thing, like a tool impediment or something like that, 100% then get the thing. But yep. like, don't not do the thing because you don't have the thing. Bias for action. Yes. I, so a put. And I give I give props to you because I had no idea how multi-talented you are as you as we do get to well, learn about I'm you old. So I've had multiple lives. So <laughs> me too, me too. How did things kind of evolve into from there into the world of direct to consumer e-com? Yeah. And that bridge. How did that yeah. more about um so once we had the book created this was during the time of, I would almost call it like the golden age of Facebook ads. And so we would put a dollar in and six would spit out. 2014. And she would, yeah. So this is, yeah, right about that kind of peak where Instagram was really peak. And so this was kind of pre-feed or uh, real stuff. This was still like yeah. main feed stuff. Yeah. And so we would, she would post on Instagram and then we'd run some retargeting ads and you just see all this in real money. You know what I mean? Like the money was in, we were on WooCommerce because mm-hmm. I was building on uh, WordPress at the time. And so that was like, oh, so that was kind of my first meaningful foray into like, I mean, it, what like in absolute terms now, it's not at the scale of anything yeah. impressive. But for me, I was like, oh my gosh, like there's like, I, is there anything more addicting and validating than seeing those initial so good. performance coming in from It's from so good. It's so interesting too, because you get, like I haven't run a proper ad account in probably like two, yeah, I guess two, two and a half years because yeah. I was doing a little bit of the triple L paid at the beginning. But yeah, there's this weird, interesting addiction and accomplishment of like testing, shipping, and then seeing that that it was a. I've definitely because I used to run an agency, and I've definitely done, been down the rabbit hole of like you know you're checking dashboards multiple yeah. times a day. It can be challenging sometimes to extract your identity from your performance like hence you know the og you're not your roas but man when something hits and it was at that time too it was like because we she was hosting events as well and stuff like that and that that was one of the biggest mistakes i made which i don't really regret because she's a a dear friend of mine but she was like do you just want to i'll just give you a percentage of whatever kind of stuff you bring in i was like no you know just pay me 5k flat or whatever i forget what it was and we ended up driving like sixty thousand or some absurd amount of money for her yeah. in like two or three days. And wow! It was like oh my gosh, it definitely Good not friend. all me, but it was it was yeah. I was the way I was her oil rig on her land kind of thing. Like I was able to extract that value for her. Great analogy. Um, yeah. So anyway, so from there I went to a luxury real estate firm that we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, and then from that. I did all the paid media at Whole Foods for the recruitment vertical. So I did awesome. the whole, I, I was full Austin. I was on a boosted board. I had a man bun. I was working at Whole Foods in the, the zero drop, like New Balance shoes. Like, I mean, full, total full hipster Austin. So that was cool. Whole I mean, Foods the drip is today company. is pretty good too. I yeah, to it's, it's elevated. It's, yeah. it's, it's more... Uh, yeah. Not so on the nose. There's a little a CMO little, yeah, vibe, yeah. like relaxed yeah. vibe. Yeah, it's. Uh, I went through like a, that big phase of kind of like peacocking, you know, when you're younger, where it's just like, 
Yeah. It's, it's the, you've, you've accomplished a lot, so yeah. you don't need to peek out. Yeah, it's, much, right? it's the Arab Mexican coming out of me where it's just like this this dual <laughs> force of like I need fancy, some sort of animal skin on me, bright colors. <laughs> I love um, it. But yes, yeah, so after Whole Foods, then I did agency life, an agency out of New York called Flatiron. Um, and that was probably the first in, time I spent real money. I was still in Austin. No, no, oh, no I was okay, still in cool. Austin. So I've been in Austin 13 years now. Awesome. Everything's been out of Austin. Very cool. And then the agency life was really cool. That's when I, I really saw scale. Um, and it was awesome, too, because this was kind of the peak VC time as well. So it was right yeah, a year and a half before COVID kind of thing where they're like the markets are just everything yeah. is cocaine and champagne. And so we were getting uh, we were on percent of spend. Oh, wow. and we were working with all these venture back companies. And so we were working with like WAG, Clutter, uh, Deepak Chopra, Jack Pocket, like awesome pr- proper size companies with a bunch of money. We worked with a bunch of scooter companies. That was obviously like you saw how everything worked peak out. Scooter, but, yeah, it was, pe- it was peak scooters, everything. I forget the one we were working with, but yeah, and the money they had, they raised. And it was it was pretty incredible, honestly. But like I was pretty well versed in economics, business models, et cetera. Yeah. That's what I went to school for. And I'm just mm-hmm. looking at these numbers and you're just like, dude, we're acquiring people for 500 bucks. Like nobody's ever spent more than $500 with you ever. Like how does this work? And it, it's it, was, well, it was just because I think there's a certain aspect of what's the goal. And their goal was like, we're going to raise more money. So I need the hockey stick yeah. up and to the right. Whatever it costs, just as long as you can give me up and to the right because I'm a growth story. I raise yeah. my money. But anyways, the too long didn't read there was that was awesome because there is just problems that you run into at scale that you just don't when you're, you know, you're spending five, ten thousand dollars a day versus you're deploying fifty, seventy thousand dollars across multiple channels. Like mm-hmm. there's Facebook spend limits, there's things that happen. There's the other thing is this is why uh, and I'll say allegedly, but why percent of spend I don't know if this is always the best arrangement for certain clients because we there was times where you could get in there you're like, hey, you know, we have, we're underpaced, we're hitting our performance yep. targets, but we have clearance to spend, you know, 500K this month and there's still buck 35 to spend over the week. Right? And you're yeah. just like, yeah. even though you know that might not be the most efficient spend, like as yeah. an agency, you're like, dude, I yeah. was cleared, to, they wanted to spend 500K and like it's our yeah. job to help them deploy that capital. Yeah. And so. It's um, amazing that was, those, it was interesting. Like real estate is almost the same way. It's really weird where it's like, if you get a worse deal for me, you make more money, even though you're representing me, you know? So anyways, that's not, I, I don't hate percent of spend. It was just really interesting to mm-hmm. understand the, yeah. the reality sometimes on the ground and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. and then did my own agency, that's awesome. um, which was awesome. I called it agency, but it was really more like a boutique, almost like fractional CFO or, or CMO, where I was I was partnering pretty deeply with these people where I was just on high retainers and then either fill in any gaps they had or oversee that at the strategic layer reporting, et cetera, et cetera. And then triple. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know, kind That's of those awesome. long wander, random walk down Wall Street, random walk down Robber Street. But yeah. yeah, it was great, man. It was in, the, in a weird way. There was... This kind of unique, I guess, like sine wave of, I think generalists don't necessarily get paid as much, but they have a higher ceiling because usually the best leaders are generalists, but specialists get paid more quicker because they're like, and, and candidly, they just get paid more in certain areas. Again, lower ceiling, but I have a friend that he's in, I'm super nerdy. He's like, king nerd 
any codes in this very kind of archaic language that only certain people use, et cetera, et cetera. But he's the like guy. It's like, definitely king nerd. It is king nerd. Like yeah. I'm talking about like super esoteric language, like mm-hmm. only certain kind of like cobalt kind of shit. But like he's that guy. So whenever anybody, but he's charged like $2,000 an hour kind of stuff because like it's so important yeah. and it's ingrained to this business. And it's like, we're not going to change our whole code base. We just have to pay somebody to fix this or do that. So there's definitely a specialist, but Again, like most leaders are generalists. There might be some like engineering people that are technical, then also yeah. switch off to yeah. be a leader. But yeah. when you're a leader, you're not, you can't be an IC. Yeah. Like they're, 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 it just doesn't work. I got to dive into some really good stuff because you dropped some awesome things in there. Back to Flatiron experience. Obviously, those years were very different than what we're experiencing yeah. now. Yeah. But what are some things that you, would say are good learnings that you got from those years that are applicable now? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I took away from that, and I, I think it also solidified my understanding of how to run a successful agency, is the majority of my time was spent on data gathering and narrative building. Like, so give me the data. What's the narrative I can build around the data? And that was really the majority of the time. And then the whole goal of the meeting was to have them excited about the next meeting. And so you tell them, hey, here's where you were, here's where you are, here's where you're going. Those were kind of the three macro points that I always want to do them. And I, I remember at the time too, because there was, um, we were working with a publicly traded company out of Australia that was a big, uh, we did a lot of app install mm-hmm. ads. And I still remember there was just, uh, it was almost felt like you're going up on the horns because they would bring in their whole marketing team. And we're in, we were kind of another just little small digression. There was a certain aspect of like, once you charge over a certain ceiling of monthly billings, like agnostic or performance, you're getting fired. And so once we started to get into that um, 75 to 100K range of billions, they're just like, dude, we just paid you that much for the month. Like we can hire an internal team, you know, for this. And so that was a little ancillary thing. If you're running a big agency and you have these big clients, if you want to keep them, figure out some sort of stopgap or ceiling that they like you won't ever charge them. It's not great because you're going to give up that money. But it's also like we almost always got fired and we were killing it. Like it wasn't a performance issue. It was just like, dude, I'm not going to give you fucking $75,000 or a month. You know what I mean? Like I can literally build a whole internal team for this. Despite what people say. And it doesn't matter how much you're killing it for me because there's just a certain aspect of like I'm just going to be able to get more out of that. But yeah, so I mean the, the biggest things that I learned was understanding the narrative and the data and then the last thing I would give you is nobody's mad about things breaking. People are mad if they found out something broke. And so if there was any sort of thing that, or just getting in front of it, like yeah. uh, you oh, never want to be like, oh man, I did this thing. You actually do. Or it's just like, hey, we saw the, the sites broke or we saw there was a typo in the ad or yeah. like whatever, we're fixing it Tracking right now. It Here's down. what we're doing it, it, blah, blah, blah. No action items zero part, just an FYI to have that client feel like you care and you're in control. Like there's nothing worse than getting like, Hey, have you seen this ad? Or like, why is there a typo or what's this? What's that? And then I think the last thing that stuck with me was you want to treat it like it's your money, but at the end of the day, it's their money. So there was 
we just ran into the stereotypical like, hey, this isn't on brand. And so it's like, hey, there there is a certain aspect of like, do you want to be right or do you want to make money? And there are some brands that want to be right, where it's just like, hey, I know this is performing for us, but it's just not on brand. And like, and then I had another client where we had a Black Friday, Cyber Monday ad, yeah. or actually like an October ad, just yeah. to kill it. And there was a pumpkin emoji in the subject line. And you know, you start to get in December or January, like, hey, this isn't really aligned with, their, is this cool? And you know, is it making money? Cool, send it. Yeah. Like, but at the end of the day, that was, you know, it's it's their money and your job to shepherd it and give them guidance and advice on how they want to deploy the capital. But at the end of the day, it's their capital to deploy. And if they want to, you know, put in a bathtub and light it on fire. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly. their decision to do it. Yep. I love what you said about narrative building. I think that's something that is not done particularly well and is such a big opportunity. Is that something you feel you've brought into your other work post-agency life? Triple Whale, Vermont now, I mean, your life in general? At its core, I think people experience the world in stories. And so giving people and being able to create the story, whether that's for yourself, whether that is for your business, whether that's for your partner, like I just think that people the mind abhors a vacuum and coincidence and like it's just really hard for people to sometimes accept it is where it's just like dude it just law of large numbers like that's just where it landed the mind um, abhors a vacuum that sounds like a maybe like a, a legit quote from a great book you read on your european adventure there, is, that, is that true possibly i probably got it from a book there's a, a great book called on intelligence which is like brain 101 and they did an experiment in there where, so you, you actually have a blind spot in both your eyes, but they're in different spots. And so that's why you see that you don't see the blind spot. And so they flashed the picture of, uh, I think it was like a banana or something like that to, let's see, because it's crossed. So to the, the left eye, which would go to the right side of the brain, which doesn't have any executive function. So you can see it, but you can't articulate it. And what would happen is people would pick out the same picture when asked, like, what are you thinking about right now? And like, oh, bananas. Like, why are you thinking about banana? Oh, because I had a banana because I like banana. But it was actually because of the priming from that picture. And that's just how our mind works. And I don't think it's like a good or a bad thing. It's just an is, but like, yeah. it's just really hard. And so, again, with great power comes great responsibility where you don't want to mislead people. Like, I think a, a lot of the most impactful stories are sincere and value for value. But yeah, that's where I just realized like the narrative building, if you think of, so the kind of two pillar theses, people experience the world in stories and everybody, if they're not the owner, the only thing they care about is making their boss happy. And so when you marry those two, then you realize, oh man, like my job to be done that this person's hiring me is to make them look smarter, better, more awesome to their boss. So what are the stories and data that I can give them to be like, hey, look at how smart you are because you hired us. Here's the things that we're doing. And the more you can wrap up that story in a gift box, the easier it is to give to their boss. And then life gets good yeah. when their boss is happy, they're happy. When they're happy, you're happy. Yeah. And a dirty little secret is if people like you, you have a lot more like leeway in performance. And like, like you can't just suck all the time. Like there's a certain aspect of like, all right, hey, I love you, Rob, but dude, yeah. I'm not paying you to be my friend. I'm paying you to perform. But when you have this, you know, nice rapport and people think you care, people think you care because you do care is kind of the point. 
Yeah. It, it just like it. worked into, and again, I don't know if it's the economically optimized thing, but the other thing that I kind of, as I got older, was just like, I like to win beautifully. And so very much kind of like Brazil with football or soccer, where it's the beautiful game where they want to win in a certain, and like, I, I'm not a win at all cost guy. Like I want to win beautifully. And I think that, that, that unlocks a lot of doors, but also lowers some ceilings and earning potential. But at the end of the day, I think I love that. Figure out what your freak flag is and fly it. Yeah, I love that. I I doubled down on a number of comments often, but winning beautifully feels like it's uh, might be coming out of the title of this one, and, and like it's such an epic line. Like, what? Share more about that because that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, and to it's be fair, cool. this might be why I'm poor. <laughs> No, I just, there's a certain aspect of, at the end of the day. I can identify with it. Exactly. There's a certain, really like, I, I, I've done some, you know, affiliate stuff back in the day. More like, not even like, not tainting affiliate. This is like black alley. You know, you're making there, money. There's and no, like, there's, no, there, no, there's no, yeah, there's no like, uh, no offense. No, no honor in that money that I was making there. And it, I just didn't feel good about it. And so like that kind of led me to that. And so, you know, I just... I've done things for the money in the past and it just never really netted out for me. And, and the other thing is like, I, I am a huge capitalist. Don't get me wrong, but I think of money. I'm really into meditation. And a friend of mine, his dad's a ordained Buddhist monk and just a really chill dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked him cause they I really enjoy Buddhism, but there's a lot of uh, conflicting ideals, I guess, if you will, with, with pure hardcore capitalism. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I asked him, well, how do you think of money? Because he was actually uh, fairly wealthy. And he was like, I think of it as energy. And so that had always stuck with me where it's like the more energy you can put out because it doesn't put a stigma on it, right? Like you can put energy into good things. You can put energy into bad things, but it's not like something you internalize. And so that has been kind of, yeah. So maybe I'm not going to be like the three comma club, but, you know, hopefully you get in the tens of millions or something like that. But yeah, I think at the end of the day for me, it's. That's cool. Being introspective on where your kind of non-negotiables are and then build systems and goals around that. Where it's like some people might not care or it's like, dude, I'll slide into you. I'll I'll rip the candy out of the hand of the baby. I I just want the candy. No judgment on that. It's just wasn't aligned to my truth. I think, yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, be yourself and do you. Yeah. I love the thought of uh, very Austin too, by the way. Very Austin. Keep Austin. Respect that. I feel like there's something interesting about the money is energy piece because in some yeah. ways there's neutrality in that. Energy. That's what I love about there's no judgment on it. There's no it however you want to deploy it and however much you have, it's so well put. Very eloquent. Yes. Couldn't agree more. What an amazing departure. Maybe back to like the concrete of like, you know, you have evolved into uh, you know, a pretty central piece of building out, you know, triple whale, being a very prominent figure on D2C e-com and Twitter. And, and I think a big part of the Austin D2C e-com community and, and likewise other, other spots, how would you maybe categorize for people who are not as familiar with D2C e-coms community yeah. and how would you kind of describe it to folks in the audience? Honestly, I think it's one of the better communities. I was very, very resistant to Twitter early on just because it's such an active network, not only in engagement, but also um, in like setting it up, right? Like you have to follow the right people. You mm-hmm. have to, and right being not like right or wrong, but right for like what interests you, yeah. like the, the things that make you make things interesting. Yeah. 
but once I, I like Facebook started to be kind of the, the joke of like Twitter is or Facebook are the friends you the friends you went to high school with and then Twitter are the people you wish you went to high school with kind of thing. And so um, yeah, I just started finding way more meaningful activity and engagement on Twitter. And it was there's just so much free game on there. Kind of what we were talking about offline of like mm-hmm. killers where somebody was like, I mean, I remember at Hey Alex P and she had like 17, not 17, but 50 or egregiously low followers where she's finally now like getting the accolade she deserves. But there's just some really brilliant people that will engage with you in a, a meaningful and respectful way. So I think that's really unique where finance Twitter can get a little cringy. There, there's some, mm-hmm. there's some, cringe corners where I think D2C for the most part does a really good job and everybody's really welcoming. And I think that the kind of candidly, the coolest people, that's where I really like the confluence of B2B SaaS and D2C because B2B SaaS is like daddy money where I have incredible economics and D2C are like the coolest kids to hang out with. And so it's always been this awesome thing, but yeah, I mean, yeah, too long didn't read. If you Mm -hmm. are in the D2C space, like D2C Twitter is great, man. I, I mean, obviously there's, Definitely some rough edges here and there, but I think on on the whole, it's a really nice, meaningful, yeah. everybody's really supportive and engaging. And yeah. I think there's a nice like community policing of it as well, yeah. where it, it's kind yeah. of like a, a party that's there's some there's some fun kind of yeah. liberties taken, but yes. like if there's a fight happens and then you let the fight happen some, and then you break it apart, there's not like this jump rage into where people are getting proper hurt. Like yeah. but I think there's a like a like an a lot of nice guardrails on it, and uh, that's yeah. awesome. So I know, I know, I, I really. What, what's cool. your take? I kind of like the community too. It feels to me, it feels similar to. I think affiliate has an interesting kind of. Yeah, you guys, yes, um, like it's so big. It's tight knit in a different way, even though, and it has different generations. Yeah, it's been around for twenty yeah. years in some capacity, probably ten. Really, that's a really interesting take. I didn't think of the the age. But it, but it also has that, like, they're the people you want to hang and party and socialize 100%. with. But then there, it's become, it's kind of grown up and there's brands that are, you know, putting their stamp on it and saying, hey, I believe in this. And 100%. it's a part of my media mix. So yeah. it has legitimacy. So I, I really love where your head's at with that. I feel like there's some similarities between affiliate and DDC. Yeah. But back to DDC, I feel like it is generally fairly welcoming, very yeah. like academic conversations yeah. can be had. and. People can truly learn things where yep. it's not just like, okay, we're in this click and you're not invited. There's certainly some clickishness as you referenced, but but I encourage people to to jump in the water and, and learn and and observe and listen. And, and I think there's a lot to be had from it. Um, and in real life too, you know, there's I think that we talked about that at one of the events here in Austin, yep. where it's like Austin, New York, LA, yeah, great freaking epicenters yep. of DC. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I I think that. That, I think, also is what accelerates the awesomeness of the online is the offline. Where you're like, oh, cool. And there just be so many people where it's like, oh, I know you from Twitter. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know you. And like, yeah. Uh, that's a really cool, like, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the ecosystem. with Because Geek Out was, like, the thing. And with that being gone, it'll be interesting to see kind of where what happens or steps in because I, I agree with you and the other thing is like events are hard like in real life events are hard i've thrown a ton of them at, at scale and they're they're just really hard gosh when you do them well man you can make fans for life or like yeah. there was a lot of events where we threw that 
either somebody met a romantic partner, somebody got a business deal, somebody had a new idea and had zero value add to triple whale. But like the value generation, it's almost like a, a karmic balance of value or it's like yeah. if you one of the things that you need to do is get like top of funnel awareness like being able to generate value for people without any reciprocity is a hell of a drug man where they're going to refer people to you they're going to talk really highly of you they can we had a guy that was uh he was so awesome he was like the proper triple whale super fan and he was just i think it was uh like fin hub or something he's like i can't even use this i just want to buy it because i want to support you guys and you're just like that's not great for a business because those are like zombie clients, but that just goes to show you the power of building like sincere relationships that generate value for people. Like, like Pete Triple what fuck, man. People were at the company ready to run through the wall for them, people. And not to say that's not doing well now. It's just for for me, there was just this, there's a certain aspect. And there was, uh, I think it was Marissa Mayer at Google where they were kind of just at the cusp of blowing up. And she was like, look around now, this is the best that's ever going to get, which is kind of depressing. But now I kind of see her point where it was yeah. like me, Tommy, Alexa, Colin, Kevin. We had the dopest office set up. We had a podcast studio. We had budget to do things. The company screaming like it was, I don't know, there's just this unique windows in business life. Because, you know, eventually you need to grow up. You need to get a finance person. You need to get HR. You need to get all this. But there's this just unique window of almost like, yeah that early 20s vibe in your yeah. life where it's like you're naive but you also kind of start to get resources you start to have you know deep connections with humans you care about you stop doing kind of dumb shit but you still have a little bit of fun in you like you know you're not like my age or it's like dude netflix and chill <laughs> let me turn on the tv and 10 p.m kind of stuff and it was just it gets was... good after 42 don't <laughs> okay <laughs> i just need to I need, I need to get over this damn hump at 38 but it was just a really cool feeling to have the whole team aligned, be able to be performing and yeah. we're performing. Like everything was just there. It was, it was, it was the 76 dolphins. Like it was just, it was something that obviously I would like to try and repeat, but I don't even know if it was just such a perfect storm of everything yeah. of like because everybody like tommy alexa kevin colin all these people are under market you know what i mean yeah. like eventually i got them yeah. to a good place but when i at that point of a startup dude like you're selling you're selling the dream and the yeah like, you're gonna get some stamps in your passport and like some cheap beer and we're gonna go hunt yeah. like there, yeah. there, there, there isn't and so I, I mean i remember alexa like i was courting her for months Tommy was, and so it was just this, again, perfect mix of yeah. like talent and yeah. culture and personality vibe. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It was, it yeah. was, it was great. Well, I think the, you know, we joke about football and sports and music and other analogies, but I think there's something similar to, you know, football where it's like, Hey, you got someone on a rookie contract. My goodness. That's, that's a really exciting window. And guess what? Folks are going to be earning more and more as they progress in their career. And there's a reality to that. And uh, bringing in different financial rigor or different investor influence or different different things, things change quickly. So I think we've all seen that in our careers. But it's awesome to to hear the formula that you witnessed and were part of, and you built, and you you know you were working in the trenches and kind of saw that magic live. You were part of that creation, so it's pretty rad. Yeah, it was uh, the, my my biggest and probably my only regret outside. Yeah, is not enjoying it 
I was so fixated on performance and like getting, where's my next stage of growth coming from? Where, how do I get more? How do I get more? Because we were just, at one point in time, Triple Well was the fastest growing company ever, which is crazy to think wow. about. Yeah, it was wild. And so I did so many cool things. I got to go to so many cool places and I was never present because it was just always like low key CMO at an early stage startup is possibly one of the worst positions ever. CMO is hard. It's no matter how you slice it. Yeah, is exactly. It, it's, it's the fastest turnover of C-suite, even in the Fortune 500, kind of, or even Fortune 100. It's the line that would always go around is like, if things are going well, it's not because of marketing. If things aren't going well, it's because of marketing. You know what I mean? And so you just never, not that you never got your due, but it was just kind of this almost like insurance policy of like, okay, marketing is obviously going to crush it. So like, and so... Yeah, I regret that. So if you guys do get into that place of like hyper success, definitely look at the mile markers, maybe even pull over, have a peanut butter and jelly and look at the mountains for a little bit. You can't stay there, but I I do regret not enjoying it as much as I could because I was just so caught up in the performance and the pressure of like, hey, man, like, you know, this is is a special situation. Do you think some of that is inevitable? And how much of that do you feel like if, if say the, uh, that happened again in some maybe different variant, yeah. not quite the same level yeah. of magic, but do you feel like you'd have a little bit more of a appreciation for if, while you're in it? Yes, I definitely think so. But I also think that I now have some natural internal gyros to not get there again. Because I, I can't leave it. I was just redlining. Like I was, I was making content. I was traveling. I was throwing events. I was going to events. I was speaking. I was like, there was a place where I was, it wasn't long-term sustainable. And so I don't know, like, again, I think it was, do I regret it? No, outside of not being present, but I don't know if I would try and set that situation up again because it was so like, like, it was, it was a lot, man. It was, it was something that was not, like I was the only person on the marketing team for the first four or five months and then my first hire was crazy. head of community kevin so like really crazy. didn't have like a team so six yeah. six eight months in and wow. i was only there for you know a little over two years and so yeah it was a uh if i got there again i would definitely enjoy it but i would also be like fuck yeah we left this place yeah, yeah why yeah. did we come yeah. back to detroit in the winter i said <laughs> not again like it's so uh, i think that would be something yeah. where i would be very hesitant but i also think there's a lot of learnings that could have put a lot more guardrails on things where yeah uh, i think there's probably a a certain internal expectation that was never going to be met and so being able to modulate that in a more meaningful way versus like yeah yeah were you out of curiosity were you meditating at that time everything felt like it was it doesn't seem like like bank uh, it was was, well yeah because you self-correct yeah where you can so the, the whole point of meditation, or not point, but w- oh. one of the, the things that you can get when you start to sit, so I'm, I'm just crazy, and so I know I need to temper that craziness, but a lot of that craziness can be directed in some meaningful output. But what happens is the, the way my, my dad's friend described is you want to live in the gap. So you'll never get rid of your reactions, like you're human. You're, yeah. But what you can do is start to push a gap between your reaction, your reactions to your reactions. And so, for example, like somebody cuts you off in traffic, like 
you yell at it, oh my God, that a-hole cut me off, et cetera, et cetera. And then that negativity just permeates throughout your day versus like, oh my God, that person cut me off. Oh my God, I'm so, what is, why am I mad? Like, mm-hmm. so, and then you can start to back out of it and you get rid of it quicker. And so that is super helpful. But the other thing too is just travels hard, man. Like travel is a young man's game. And I was traveling two, two and a half weeks of the month. And the other thing is like, sometimes I would land on weekends and stuff. And yeah. so like you're lo- you start to lose weekends and you're back in it. And we don't, yeah. I had a friend of mine that worked for Red Bull and thought this was a really cool policy was if you end up traveling or working on a weekend, you just get the next weekday off, um, yeah, which I thought was policy. pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, this isn't, you know, we're a bunch of <laughs> kill, kill or be killed at, yeah. at that point of the growth stage startup. So that's not something that you're not going to float that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, there was not, uh, yeah, you're always working through the holidays, but um, uh, maybe, maybe it'd be interesting to kind of pull it back to like the nerdy, uh, te- always be testing themes. I mean, with Triple O, there was so much learning insight. You could kind of you had the kind of the dashboard of the uh, pulse on the performance. Yeah. Maybe uh, for for those in the audience who are curious, like what are some maybe interesting learnings that you could share that are not proprietary? That's like, hey, this is some of the cool trends i was witnessing or me you know things that are interesting or notable yeah i mean we saw a few things a couple of them are kind of does and then a couple of them are quasi interesting um, one of the biggest ones was people that had good to great economics just one like you definitely need a product but like if you have a product Regardless that has four attribution yeah and creative, so there was it, it sort you, of i just had more gas in my car and i could go get to a more profitable place instead of having to stop at this gas station i could actually go to this one where it it just changes everything that you could do and so the the way i would describe it to people is they say you can't outwork you can't outwork out bad diet it's the same kind of concept in business where you just can't outmarket bad unit economics like it it just is what it is like you're you're actually succeeding creating making it worse yeah you know i'm succeeding i'm you're losing i'm losing money that's like a perfect so definitely make sure that your economics are intact a kind of corollary to that is not all products are made for paid media and so make sure that you're only advertising your and again this is predicated on the goal is profitability and revenue generation. Like if there's other goals at mine where it's like, I just need to move this inventory. I knew that, but assuming that you want to make the most money at the highest profit, like you need to be high margin, high velocity products. And so uh, even when I was at running accounts with the brands, sometimes they might have 10, 20 SKUs and only two of them would be pushed with paid media. Cause it's just like going back to like, I'm winning, but I'm losing. Like the other thing is you want to make sure that, that first interaction, because D2C usually doesn't have a retail presence, is amazing. And so the more you can make somebody feel successful and awesome, the closer to the first touch point, like you're golden. And so yeah. even if the magnitude of success is way higher, if it's farther away from that origin, it's not as impactful. So people that would awesome. have the flagship really awesome products uh, and then the community was actually something that was really interesting people that had community plays were like so obviously there's some other people that had some really interesting um community plays yeah this is going to sound silly but like people that planned like really looked at they weren't 
thinking like month to month, but they were like, okay, cool. And not to say that you need things like carved in stone, but they had, here's the purchasing moments we're going to create. We see some dips in revenue here. Can we launch a product? Can we do a promotion? Can we do a special holiday? And being able to generate those purchasing moments and think of things annually or at worst quarterly to understand where they're trending was something that was really interesting and meaningful. And then honestly, like it sounds again, silly, but the, the people that were focused on performance and not sophistication won. And so people that had not only simplified accounts, but like, depending on the scale, you only needed one to two or three, maybe three channels. Like very rarely did we have, we had stores up to half a billion dollars a year and they were still on four or five channels. And the majority of the revenue was still aggregated to the top two kind of thing. And these were more so like, again, going back to those percentage points at the end where it's like, you're a Olympic sprinter, like you do need to add on some other of these things because you're maxing out these other big channels. And so, yeah, so I guess not super meaningful, but the the one thing that I did see in the data that was really interesting, and now maybe I'll ping Alan and see if I can get access to data again, was we saw TikTok shop or TikTok ad spend just absolutely skyrocket. There was a point in time, I remember that a friend of mine got who's big spending, they got to parity almost with Facebook and it was outspending Google and they were and they were spending 60, 70k a day. It's like real money. And then that just kind of blew up, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so on my yeah. way out, like I don't know anybody that TikTok was a big spending channel. Now it looks like it's interesting, but now it seems like it's off the back of organic social and shops more so than actual shops, paid yeah. spend. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Trending so, up. That's interesting, but that was something that shocked me because I thought it was looking at the preliminary data was a runaway train. Um, Snaps yeah. was pretty much a defunct platform, pretty much useless. I didn't know anybody that spent on that. And then the ASC and the Google performance actually uh, really, I think that in combination with the targeting or especially in specific Facebook, just started to, they started to figure out kind of the iOS updates and how to just get back yeah. to the the closer to the glory days of like the ads are delivering the tracking's better yeah. the targeting's better i'm um, supposedly it's ai where they did it because they can't really... they're not allowed to you know actually pass the data and so they were just using that data to then put it through ai and they spun up like that was i guess the counterweight to spinning down the metaverse was that's where they put all that money was in a huge ai team that just started to help with targeting tracking analytics stuff like that and Ganley has been way better. I mean, definitely from that the iOS 14 stage to now, it's, yeah. it's only what a year and a half ago, and it's it's night and day. But yeah, those are the, a lot of people. That's that's super helpful. That's, that's a lot in there. To, yeah, those to are the big digest. ones. But you know, have a great product is number yeah. one. Make sure your economics work. Be able to you know generate value for your community. Usually, too, around either consumption or ancillary things to like create at uh they do the creatine gummies yeah he's doing yeah. all these kind of like all ancillary add-on products so people that were doing yeah. these things of like going back to that job to be done and then building can you help this person get this job to be done better and yeah whether that's with your product whether that's with an add-on product yeah that's so cool tell us about the new gig tell us yeah. what you're pumped about um want to share it and yeah, really excited. So uh, ended up going on full-time at Fermat, uh, fermatcommerce.com, F-E-R-M-A-T commerce.com. Yeah, so we do uh, essentially like 
experimentation on steroids through landing pages at scale. So awesome. uh, right now we're working with bigger to big, big brands. Yeah. And so it's been great. It's been really cool to see kind of that. And then just the evolution of the product has been incredible. So right now our experimentation kind of feature is gated to kind of the super, super high end enterprise customers, but we'll be kind of rolling that out probably early Q1. We'll be doing some cool events. So obviously the event, the event got to have the events. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll be doing some cool stuff around community, kind of very similar to the, the OG triple L playbook. The one thing that's definitely different is right now we're servicing, I don't know what to call them, like Shopify enterprise client, you know what I mean? Where they're not like target, but they're not these yeah. kind of, you know, 30, $50 million a year yeah. stores where it was a hundred million kind of the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like for me, it gets to kind of like, you know, 50 to 750 almost where it's like, that's, yeah, I mean, maybe 750 gets quasi enterprise, but again, like yeah, the 750 is, I know, like, like, Not a like unicorn, D to C, D to C enterprise or something. Yeah. It's like this, cause it's a, it's a, business it's a real business don't get me wrong but again it's not a home depot it's not a target yeah. best buy you know where you're yeah walmart's of the world where that's proper enterprise but yeah. anyways yeah so if you want to cool. go do some cool experimentation we do a bunch of cool cro stuff and then being able to deploy kind of your ad creative to maybe four different destinations whether it's a quiz uh advertorial some gift guide things of that nature you can spin it up Heck real yeah. quick and then test it out see what, how you make more money love it how are you thinking about kind of building out resourcing and supporting them and, and growing them? Is there certain needs that you have now or, or folks that you're kind of looking to yeah. bring on board in the next, you know, 12 months? Or yeah, it's your... a fantastic question. Right now, I'll probably build out kind of that four or five person squad. Yeah. Kind of that That's really where yeah. I like to operate. Like, that I don't like great. to manage. I like to lead. Like, give me, just yeah. give me some killers and let me run. And then yeah. if we need more hands, they can hire them. And yeah. I, don't, I don't need to, not that I don't need to deal with them. Like I'm too affluent, but like sure. they, they can manage their own people. Like that's an Reasonably extension of them. Yeah. I just yeah. want to deal with the lieutenants. And then if we need more people, we can hire them. And yeah. Yeah. So we're doing probably a community person, content person, brand person, product marketing, probably be the, awesome. the squad. And then, you know, filling some holes here and there with contracting. Very and cool. then, yeah, but I'm, I'm excited. It's a, the, the co-founders are amazing. The product's great. And the, the value we're generating is real. So it's it's really nice to be Heck in yeah. kind of post-PMF. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, cool. It's, you guys it's, got a lot there to work yeah, with. Yeah, the product the product is, it's kind of a, a little bit of a marketer's wet dream where the the product is amazing in the marketing. There's there's a lot of opportunities to grow. I love that it. Way, yeah. I love it. You kind of reference the theme of leadership, you know, throughout your career and yeah. what you've done and in referencing to the team that you're looking mm-hmm. to create. What's some advice you give to leaders out there? There may be new leaders or leaders that are looking yeah. to improve. You've, you've obviously done it well. What, what would you counsel yeah. people on? I would say one, the first thing which is super, super important is understand the most effective communication style one-on-one. And so for me, I'm kind of gregarious, rough around the edges, loud, and I can be overwhelming to introverts. And they won't either say what they mean or they'll they'll just kind of cow. And not in like a judgmental way. It's just that's just their personality. And so what I found with people that are more introverted was giving them time to go work on their own and think of their messaging. So they did really well with like written messaging where it's like, hey, cool. Here's what we need from you. Here's what I'm thinking. Take this home, you know, figure it out and just answer, fill in this notion doc and we'll chat about it tomorrow and stuff like that. So that was super helpful, understanding yeah. people's communication style and how they take feedback and 
that's also a function of hiring where I actually prefer people with scars versus a pretty face. Because if you haven't, like, even if you're super talented, if you haven't dealt with failure, I don't know how you're going to react in like the fog of war. And some people who haven't failed before, um, it's just not that it's right or wrong. It just doesn't fit my management style. Like I just don't deal with that well. And so all the people that I hired weren't, were not only vibes. So like, there's a funny thought experiment of like, if the plane got delayed and you two were both at the airport, like, would you be mad or not? <laughs> so like, I would hang, like, we all, all hung out together actually, like after work and stuff. So we had a really, uh, like chemistry and team morale matters. And that's something that I, I was in IC for most of my career that I never believed. I was like, do I trust falls? Or like, I don't care. Absolutely matters. So I would say communication style, understand kind of the personalities on the team, make sure um, team morale and people rowing in the right direction, the incentives are there. And then I, I think the last thing would be ultimately like goal setting and expectations. So I found that I'm very allergic to decisions by committee. I think mm-hmm. people operate the best, especially killers when they have their own silos of responsibility, because you can start to, and not to get too economics-y, but you get into a free rider problem and nobody really owns it. It's like this person, this person. So it's like, oh, there's shit in the restroom. Well, it's a public restroom. I'm not going to clean it up. And so, but if that was like your restroom, like, dude, gross, somebody pooped in here, but I'm going to clean it up. And so um, there's one of my favorite David Ogilvy lines, or go walk through the parks of in your city, you'll never see a statue for a committee. And so I was just very big on giving people responsibility and very clear output goals of like, hey, this is what you're responsible for. This is what I needed to do. But I also had to make sure, like Tommy was really hard on himself. Alexa, all, like my team was very hard on themselves. And so I had to get people out of the mindset of right and wrong or good and bad and more into a scientific method of like, here's my thesis. Here's the bet I want to make. Here's what I think is going to happen. Here's what did happen. Here's why, what I'm going to do in the future. And I had no problem with bets that missed, I had a problem with bad bets. So if you couldn't explain to me, like, why did we spend that money? Or like, what were you thinking behind this? Like, oh, there, there, yeah. there's a great book called Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. And she calls it resulting where it's like, you get so fixated on the result. We're at the end of the day, building a system with a high probability of output. Like if you can build a system with an 80, 80% success rate, 90% success rate, you land in the 10 or 20%. It's like, hey, that's, yeah. it is what it is. It just happened. Don't throw the system out, mm-hmm. you know? And so those would be the kind of things that I would get around. And then, yeah, I would definitely meet with your lieutenants um, once a week. Love it. I did one, one-on-ones every week. And when I would travel and stuff like that and yeah. we didn't have them, you could fill um, a gap. And yeah, I, I think I like that you could feel a gap. That's you, interesting. Yeah, there's definitely a place that you can get to with some mind melds where, so at the beginning when I would hire my people, you ask them, hey, what do you think I would do in this situation? And then once the answer like lines up with what you were thinking, hey, go run, you know, shackles off, go yeah. go cut your own wheat kind of thing. Yeah. But where you really get interesting is when you're like, no, that's not what I was thinking. It's actually better than the answer I had. Yeah. That's when you know you hired well, where you're like, yeah. that's fantastic. I didn't think of that. And that's even better than the answer I had. It's amazing. You, you, you Very go cool. do the thing. Very cool. Yeah. What do uh, what do a lot of people don't know about you that, uh, that you want to share? Maybe I, I'll go braggadocious. I used to be a really good runner. So I was, nice. I was freshman of the year yeah. at my conference in division one. Wow. Um, yeah, I used to be used to be pretty quick. What uh, to, what event? This was cross country. 
Okay. So this was cool. 8K and then nationals are 10K and then That's I did track and field with, uh, yeah, mile, mile to mile in high school and then 3,205 K on the track. Wow. What are you, what are you doing now to not running, do your thing? Not running. Yeah. No, uh, it's hard as you get older. Running. It's horrible for your body. Yeah. It was the, when I look back on it though, I think it was uh, really helpful because it's so mentally, um, good. Like I think there's a certain aspect of getting to a place of uncomfortableness and being able to, you know, like, Hey, I know it's uncomfortable, but it's okay. You're yeah. not gonna die. Like being able to deal with that yeah. is very meaningful to build character. But now I'm just doing some some workout stuff. I pick a ball, pick a ball a little bit. I used to be really into racquetball. I might get back into that. I used to do some slack lining. Yeah, all right now I'm just trying. Gotta to... get on the pickleball court, man. Yeah. Tried once, I didn't make it, but we'll, we'll get yeah. out there. You have to. The um, you know Tyler from Peachy Babies. I think so. Yeah, I think he I just, he just bought a crib. He says, uh, oh, he has his own court. Yeah, oh, it's okay. so nice. That's he how we do it. It's so day. nice. I know. Well, because I was thinking too, the the community in town, dude, we could get like a weekly just oh like standing date and have people mm-hmm. come meet up and run through. And I went so we'll and wake surfed with Adam, and that's no it. Showed up. That's it. I told him to cancel. I told him it was a can- there was always no, things, and he was like, it was the best day. He's the that boat's gorgeous. It was awesome. He's had the a great best. time. No, no, at the lake to ourselves. No one was out. Yeah, he's the best. We'll uh, get pickleball going. Brava, Stud, Hyde Piper of D to C Com. This has been an awesome conversation. This is great. It's the first time I've done the the look in the camera. Yeah. I feel like I made it. I was, I I was a little like nervous. Is, I, yeah. This is this is like you this knew is advanced level. Like talk to the camera. I feel like the you know the the TV people. We knew what to do with our hands. Yeah, do you do? Am I looking at the camera? No, he's talking now. I gotta look at him. Or no, we need the producer in there. Turn up the heat. Turn up the Uh, heat. uh, Ask him about the base. The base needs to be high. Yeah, exactly. Um, And uh, just wanna just wanna finish with this. You know, for folks who wanna find out more about Rava and. Yep. All the cool things you're doing at Vermont. Where can they find you? What's yeah, uh, I'm on the Twitters at Robert Rahill. Yeah. I am on LinkedIn-ish. Yeah, just send me a DM. Candidly, I suck at DMs, but shoot your shot. Uh, I suck at texts as well. Chance. So yeah, chance. it's not like text, DM, or what, or text, WhatsApp, or Slack. I might recommend a, an upcoming in work. real life event. Yes, that is that's the way to do it. That's the best way to get. I, I love everybody at the events, so definitely get me there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, unless you unless you get the text message number, it can be a challenge. You're the man. Hi, you're the best. Pleasure. Dude, so glad. See you, everybody. We did it. Woo.